Hello and welcome to Quest Me, the Star Wars podcast that takes you on a quest through legends and new canon. My name is Josh and I'm your forever host and favorite cloning scientist. Join me tonight. Joining me tonight is my lovely co-host and real life hero. He might disappear at some point in this show, but his name is Justin. How are you doing today? I am wonderful. I, I'm, I just have to say I'm sorry I wasn't here for last week's episode, Duty Called. But this week is going to be my last day at work, or work for the podcast, so we don't have to worry about that anymore. But uh, how are you, my friend? I'm doing great. I'm I'm really well, actually. I've been excited to talk about this episode all week, um, and yeah, I'm just I'm excited to get into it. So. Oh yeah. Yeah yeah yeah. Um, also joining us is our new permanent co-host. I am so excited that he's still here and that he hasn't just thrown the headset down and kicked the camera off and walked away <laughs> um but i'm happy to introduce phil back for this week how are you doing sir if you need me to throw the headset, i can throw the headset hey i don't need you to please don't throw the headset i you know nah, i won't and camera's too high up for me to kick while i'm sitting anyway <laughs> yeah what's well, all right <laughs> nothing how how's your week treating you well treated you it's sunday now been pretty good man we had a new episode of mandalorian what's not to love yeah and begrudgingly we had a new episode of bad batch too which i did watch that i'm all caught up on bad batch and hey hey, hey. bad batch isn't that bad this season it's fine that bad it's fine they're really trying to connect it with i don't know whatever man hopefully it, it ends well but Anyway, we have an extremely very special guest joining us today. He's a newcomer, but a huge Star Wars fan, as far as I can tell, at least. Um, that's what I've been toting this whole last week, so hopefully I'm right there. Um, he is from the Scarif podcast, and his name is Scuttlebutt Row. I'm still running with it. How are you doing? What's up? What's up, everybody? Thanks for having me. It's going to be a fun discussion. What is happening? <clears throat> hey, now that you're here, can you tell us a little bit about your Scarif podcast? What you got? Sure. So uh, I, I, we, um, what did I say? We we started in two, uh, 2019. Uh, the Star Wars celebration was here in Chicago. My partner Brad uh, and I met on the internet. So if your mother is telling you don't meet strange people on the internet, she is wrong. Damn it! <laughs> uh, I met uh, met Brad on the internet. We started talking actually about JFK and conspiracies, but then we realized that not only did we share a birth date, we also shared a love for star wars he told me to go pick up a microphone and a recorder and head to mccormick place and talk to some star wars nerds and start a podcast and that's what we did hell yeah yeah lots of fun lots I of fun i think the best part is that you went to celebration I'm, oh, that's still yeah. something yes. that i need to go to Absolutely. It was fun. I mean, living here, uh, cut down on costs tremendously. Uh, I work for the media, so uh, shh, I didn't have to pay for a damn thing. Um, so, <laughs> yes. you know, it, it was it was uh, it was an amazing event. Uh, a lot of great people and uh, some wonderful memories. Um, and uh, hopefully uh, hopefully they'll come back to Chicago or at least uh, a place where, you know, I don't have to spend an arm and a leg. Um, to go back, but uh, I love conventions. I love meeting people, and uh, hi to all the new friends watching tonight. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, 
That's we got, I got a quick question for you, Ro. Where did Scuttlebutt yeah. come from? Um, that would be Brad. Brad, um, my original uh, co-host, he loves kind of uh, playing around with sounds and the alliteration. And uh, he's a sailor, too, so he's in the Navy. Uh. And the term scuttlebutt, you know, is uh, it, it comes, I guess, from that the, that um, arena. So the uh, Scarif Scuttlebutt podcast, uh, we um, we absolutely love Rogue One, the movie, and obviously Scarif is from Rogue One. So uh, that is the uh, I guess the history of the name of the Scarif Scuttlebutt podcast. Fun fact: uh, Jesse from Open Pike Night, he was on last week. His first ever movie review podcast was Rogue One. Oh yeah, huge Star Trek fan. <laughs> nice. But again, yeah, it's always Got Star Wars. And like I and like I was telling you, you know, before we started, I mean, our our nerd cards go all over the place. Uh, I, I I love both star franchises, and I think a lot of people do too. So uh, too. absolutely, yeah. yeah. We don't. Uh, what's the word? Discriminate. Um, discriminate. I almost said disintegrate. For some well, reason. I mean, we don't do well, we we do disintegrate sometimes. No disintegrations. Gosh. Like um like one of my friends Danny from the uh Comics and Cosmetics podcast says we are non-denominational nerds. Ooh, oh, I love that. Yeah. Claire was like on top of it. Claire was on top of it. She means gossip it means gossip or rumors in the Navy and Marine Corps. Yes. Huh. Yeah, and I all I always um, end our episodes with uh, saying, you know, this is whatever, and I'll I'll say that's the scuttlebutt. So you'll see a lot of hashtags uh, oh, okay. of of us doing that's, that's the scuttlebutt. A great sign off. You know, I like makes, that. Yeah, that makes so much sense now. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much for joining us, Ro. We're really excited for you to be on our little show, which, by the way, is going to be live on Sundays around seven thirty Mountain Standard Time. Uh, at youtube.com slash at the sign quest me make sure to like us subscribe and ring that bell to be notified every time we are live ring 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 talking with ro makes me just miss chicago man just yeah come on over it's a little chilly this but you this know time what year it would be man yeah you got you got all We're, that lake air coming in yeah absolutely where are you at now uh colorado springs man oh okay yeah, yeah so Ken, we, Ken, got, we got Kenda's backyard. Not so much water kenda's backyard yeah <laughs> i love that show <laughs> <laughs> oh the detective yeah no joe kenda dude he's he's yeah. great yeah yeah tell tell him i said hi <laughs> yeah no him and dog the bounty hunter yeah D oh yeah <laughs> Okay. Yeah. All see right. him around. I wouldn't once take in a while. credit for that's that right. one. I, I'm right. just saying. I, like, I see him around <laughs> once in a while. Yeah. Uh, you ever go like up to him? First time in August. Oh no. It was. Uh, it was crazy. I, I love that place though. It was a good time. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Josh, you were saying that was your your first time had hitting Chicago. First time. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man. First time. In August. Yeah. This last August. Oh, okay. Let's there. see. We were. So. Oh, we did an event. Um... When was it in July? So every year we've had a um, we we've had an annual Red Five Network meetup where we just kind of hang out and 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 drink and podcast um, ever since 2019. Um, and I think la last year I was in I think it was an end of July. I can't remember. It was I think it was in July, but uh, we held it at the uh, Murray Brothers Caddyshack restaurant. And uh, wow. it was it was awesome. People come from all over. We had uh, you know some of our podcasts come in from Florida and 
and uh, Michigan and Colorado and Los Angeles. It was uh, it's, it's really great. And it's called the uh, Scarif Con. And this year will be the fifth annual Scarif Con, but we're calling it um, DefCon Five or so, something like that. I, I forgot what it was, <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's a, wonderful. It's a great opportunity to uh, you know just kind of uh, hang out. You know the um, I uh, Brad and I started the Red Five Network with a group of other like-minded uh, podcasters and content creators. We started with ten. We are about thirty-seven now. And uh, we we just enjoy doing what we do. And we uh, have gotten together uh, over the course of the last few years just to kind of hang out and, um, you know, drink and eat yeah. and and podcast. We, yeah. we set up uh, last year. We did a four camera live stream from the restaurant. It was a lot a lot of fun. A lot of fun. Man, that's you know, if you need anyone from Omaha, hit me up. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I would make that trip. Any excuse to go to Chicago for sure. I'm a bit jealous. Yeah. That sounds like a, a wonderful like event to awesome. go to. Yeah. yeah, you know what? Just look up uh, the hashtag ScarifCon. Uh, this oh, year man. we did ScarifCon 2022 uh, last year's, and then you'll see all the pictures of us goofy cosplaying, you know, pod people. Lots of fun, man. Lots of fun. Yeah, I'm gonna definitely check that out. Um, so just to kind of wrap up the intros, I guess I want to kind of move on because we got a, a good amount to talk about tonight. Kind of, I don't know. I, I think like we do. Episode, uh, yeah, it was a it was a dense episode, even though it wasn't really about Ben. There's a lot <laughs> yeah. of things going on. Yeah, you're right. Um, but Justin mentioned uh, YouTube, YouTube.com/slash at QuestMe. For whatever reason, the at sign is now added to all the YouTube. I don't know what's. Oh yeah, that, but. Um, you can find us on all the other social media networks as well. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. Just search Quest Me Podcast. Um, before we go too far, Phil has his own new segment now that I love. So let's just get into that. Phil, what are we drinking tonight? <laughs> tonight... This is a riff on the classic sidecar cocktail. Uh, so this is uh, cognac, triple sec, lemon juice, and Midori uh, melon liqueur to make it green. Uh, I call it Grogu's Pod. <laughs> I love it. Nice. It sounds so refreshing. It is. Actually, it's quite good. It's a little tart, um, but I like sour stuff, so... That's cool. never going to be an issue for me. Um, you can play around with it. You could sweeten the rim with a little like uh, sugar rim or whatever if you want to do. Throw in a little orange peel garnish if you're feeling fancy. But uh, yeah, pretty straightforward. Uh, the uh, classic sidecar is the cognac triple second lemon juice. So the uh, the Midori Ooh. is the uh, is the extra bit there. The change up. All right. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Hey, man. Makes a, drinks are always like, so much fancier than, than mine. Mine is Peach Monster with vodka. <laughs> and uh, I'm sure Justin's just drinking water. No, Topo uh, Chico. Ooh. Oh, okay, okay. Nice. Yeah, nice. it's the mineral water, and it's carbonated. Ooh. They make a hard yeah. version of it now, too, but I'm not going to make you drink that at work. Oh, <laughs> yeah, not, not today. No, no. <laughs> you got shit to do. 
Well, hopefully not, but you know. <laughs> Ro, uh, what about you? Are you you got anything over there? Yeah, I'm, anything fancy? Uh, nothing fancy. I was gonna grab a tequila, but uh, I wanted it to last, so I've got a generic <laughs> version of Corona um, from Aldi called Monterey, and it's oh, actually okay. it's really good, actually. There you go. Oh, Topo Chico is made in Monterey. There you go. <laughs> wow, connections everywhere. All it's right. it's it. like poetry. It rhymes. It's gorgeous. Speaking of rhyming connections, uh, the next thing I want to talk about is corrections. <gasps> so last week, uh, we were we struggled figuring out what planet Bo-Katan was on, for whatever reason. It's uh, Kalevala. That's what it is. That's what it is. Let's try not to forget. Josh, I'm talking to myself, I need to try not to forget these things. I have the hardest time with names and like planets and and everything it's just so isn't that a that's why he decided to you know host a sci-fi podcast it's right (laughs) isn't that a greek dessert (laughs) (laughs) oh man now i want baklava damn it god that sounds delicious um (laughs) next question there there actually aren't very many corrections this week uh last week we had said that that was the first time we had seen the whip pull it is not we actually saw the whip pull from Sabine back in Rebels when she pulled the Darksaber to herself to defend herself when she was training against Jedi Master. God, see, here we go. Freddie Prince. Kanan. <laughs> Kanan, thank you. I only remember actors. I, got I don't you. know what the hell. <laughs> Freddie Prince. <laughs> um, so then the last correction, Justin will be happy about this one because I gave him some shit a couple episodes ago about a trailer and what was going on in the trailer. Um, I was wrong. I was Say wrong. it again. Say it one more time. <laughs> I, I was wrong. Oh, it yes. was absolutely TIE fighters chasing the gauntlet and bow through the canyon. It was, yeah, I was wrong. Okay. <laughs> what did you say it was? Uh, I said it was uh, the gauntlet chasing the end one. Oh, okay. Some, some riff on that about yeah. like, Bo was trying to kill. Yeah, that's right. You'd, you'd, you'd. uh, I was trying to die on that. And hypothesizing (laughs) that it was going to be Bo trying to take out Din. Yeah, well. Yeah. uh, My bad, all right? My bad. So that was it for corrections. So we're just going to go straight into the synopsis, which isn't very long this week. (laughs) Um, But chapter 19, Convert. Stranger things are happening on this week's episode of The Mandalorian. We get a better idea of what Bo saw in the living waters, but what we really get is a better idea of Coruscant and its integration system the New Republic is using. But do we even care about that? This this episode is directed by Lee Isaac Chung. He did Minari, and he had numerous Oscar nominations and one Oscar win for that movie. Um, this episode was written by Noah Clore. He was a staff writer on Book of Boba Fett, and of course, John Favreau helped with this. It stars Pedro Pascal, Katie Sackhoff, and it guest stars Ahmed Abtahi Abtahi, and Katie M. O'Brien. Katie M. O'Brien is my favorite actor in this episode. She's the one that uh, played the integration officer. Kane. Yeah. She's wonderful. I think, I don't know, man, I think she's going to be our uh, Strange New World's pilot whoever that girl was if she if she gets more parts more 
more like screen time, I think she could be a really good addition to the Mandal- Mando-verse, I should say. Um, so I feel like we could go about this episode two different ways. We could, I think we have to. <laughs> <laughs> so we could talk about the beginning, the middle, and the end, or we could talk about the beginning and the end, and then talk about the middle. I, I, I think what, what I think? think that. Yeah. I beginning and end, yeah. and then middle. Right. The middle. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Okay. Um, give a shout out to the Science Fictionary. Hello, hello. Woo. Thanks for joining us. Hey. What's up, um, Andrew? He's uh, another one of my red fivers. Nice. Ah, All good right. Friend, good friend. I wonder if we have a Red 5 friend. His name is Roy. Sometimes he pops up in the chat and says hello. Um, so, all right. Beginning and end. Bo-Katan and Mando. Basically, the most action part of the episode. Um, the most fun of the episode. There are some fun parts with the scientist and the traitor. I, I can't tell what <laughs> she is yet. I just can't tell. Um, double but agent. This was, yeah, double agent. Maybe. Something like that. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. So, did you? Oh man! And before I play the bumper, I gotta ask you guys: Did Bo accept a new quest here? Inadvertently, I think. I, she I did. think I'm. Yeah, I think I'm on the fence with that one. Because I think she's on the fence with that one. Yeah. Okay. All right. I, so she I, hasn't I think... officially hit it yet. I can't officially hit the bumper yet. All right. All right. All right. Paz Vizsla definitely does not want her around. Right. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> or Din or Din I think, for that matter. He he's not a fan of either one of them. But right. again, I mean, as a descendant of the guy who made the dark saber, he definitely feels like it's still his birthright, regardless of how it's actually passed on. Well, I, I think Bo Katan and uh, Paz Vizla actually have a history. From Clone Wars. Oh yeah, they already were fighting each other. Oh yeah, no, they're they've they've been at odds for <laughs> over a decade at this point. Yeah, they're clans. Both that's that's why he refers to her as Night Owl. Yeah, right. Because of the whole clan feud between the the Mandalorians. Um, I guess okay, fine. I won't play the new quest bumper, but she will eventually come to terms with the fact that they're gonna have to take down that Mythosaur. Right? No. I mean, I don't I'm, know about like yeah. kill it, but but tame it. They're they gotta write to, it. They're gonna have to deal with the mythosaur at some point. Right. And who knows how many more are still under there? More? You plural? You think there's more? Mythosaurs I think there's. I mean, if we've got one still that is that close to the surface, Bo-Katan says that there that she's pretty sure that it was you know, that things got opened up by the bombing on Mandalore. Right. Things got jostled around. Yeah. I think, um, I think Bo-Katan is uh, kind of biding her time when she popped up uh, from underwater. She was still not sure if that's what she saw. I think she's, she's waiting on some stuff. I think as the, uh, as the series progresses, we might get some uh, chain of events that might, lead her to really solidify her decisions. Like I said earlier, I think she's kind of on the fence about stuff. She's obviously has been redeemed. It wasn't something that she was asking for, but 
in last week's episode, we had that conversation where uh, Bo-Katan was basically saying, I would love to just somehow unite the Mandalorian people because we're at each other's throats. And I think this is probably uh, one way to to achieve it. She's got the the fact that there is a mythosaur waiting underwater that she's kind of like saving uh, for a rainy day. Um but, you know, I think at this point, the prophecy has already been fulfilled. Now it's kind of up to time to kind of put the pieces together. Yeah, the, I, I like that. I like that a lot. I agree with you, Ro, there. But I feel like she has a little more subterfuge going on. Like, when mm. she, once she realized that she was all forgiven and she's following the way, like, I think she's going to use the, the Death Watch or that, that sect in order to boost her own uh, abilities to become, I guess, the leader of Mandalore. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if she has um, ulterior motives. I think she, what what she said in that conversation is is really what she wants to do. She wants to be able to, um, you know, bring the people together. She she knows what happens. Uh, she knows what happened in the past with Maul. Um, obviously she, she saw her sister get killed. So there's a lot of loss there. And I think now it's, um, I think it's ingrained in her, in her DNA at this point to kind of start building instead of tearing down. I think, like I said, you know, um, I really would be surprised if they do anything other than, um, have Bo and Din Djarin kind of like work together to maybe have both of them, uh, come into, play where where they both uh reunite the mandalorian people and live happily ever after Ugh, i see, like I see that i do like mm, mm. i saw something on twitter about a romance would you like a romance between bo katan and mandalorian no 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 i don't no. but i'd be okay with them uniting the clans yeah. together yeah. Like, so like a cool to... co-leadership essentially yeah That's yeah something. a little you know a new a new Covert the queen and the prime yeah. minister with the little sure. grogu <laughs> oh yeah. queen oh. a general and grogu um mm-hmm. i love the so i i gotta say i was i was kind of proud of myself because when she first came out of the water and they were flying in the ship back to her home planet i was like she hasn't taken her helmet off yet right that's kind of interesting and i'm wondering if now she's more of a believer of the history of mandalore and she wants to unite, like like you were saying, unite them more, and use the Mythosaur to her advantage to do that. Like I, I think she's gonna have to use Dinjarn and Grogu in order to like tame this Mythosaur. Yeah, uh, no, it's it's definitely gonna be a collaborative effort. Whatever ends up happening with the Mythosaur down the line. But, but you know who else is really good with talking with giant creatures? <laughs> Ezra Bridger. <laughs> Just throwing that out there. I thought you were talking about Grogu. I thought you were talking about Grogu, yeah. Well, I am, but still, but yeah, same. Grogu and Ezra. (laughs) I've been beating that Grogu thing down, like, really hard the last couple weeks, so. I can Um, see Ezra. He was good with animals. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, that's. Grogu is, too, with the the Rancor. Showed that. Sure. So, um, but we, so we went all the way from the very beginning to the very end, which is wonderful. Um, I am. I'm not as convinced anymore about the armorer being a villain as I was last week. 
I, you, I don't think you that's... were pushing that pretty hard last time. I don't, I don't think that's that's legit anymore. I, yeah, I we, we talked about that last week or la, uh, last night, actually, with uh, I had Andrew from the Science Fictionary on my show and, and he was talking about how he also kind of felt that the armorer was more of an adversary or gearing up to be an adversary. So I, I hear you. Yeah. yeah, I get a uh, more I'm... stoic feel from her. She's just following the way. Yeah, that's all, that's all yeah. it is, and like she's very heavily following the way, and very that, dogmatic. Yeah, showed, yeah, and and there is a lot that she knows that she you know has not revealed to anybody else at this point. Um, I mean, case in point, how did she recognize that those were a sample of the living waters that Din brought back? You know, obviously she sees some kind of reaction when she pours them in, right? Um. But... Poured it in the pensive, man. That's a Harry Potter <laughs> oh, callback, and then it started swirling oh, around, no, making guns. No, <laughs> no I, I think that there's something to do with the living waters uh, that has to do with her whole forging process. Uh, I think they're probably implemented as part. Like, I, I would guess that the waters that she uses to temper uh, forged Beskar uh, pieces include at least a small sample of the living waters and that she has been you know rationing a little bit of the, the living waters of mandalore for a long time at this point to be able to continue doing the forge work that she's been doing what if she's the one that spreads the rumor that you can't go back to mandalore and only really she has been the one going back for or for water for whatever like i think that possibly. little mechanical thing is her pet a little friend, a little eyeball. So Ooh. build on your your theory, Phil. Ooh. They always say that only or what was the quote they said in the this uh show that Oh, about the, the Beskar? Yeah, uh, yeah. And then after you saying that, I sort of like connected the two. I'm like, oh yeah, it's gotta be something to do there. Yeah, uh, I don't know. There's still potential for the armor being something different. sketchy yeah yeah there's claire i says mean again she's, she's i would say claire says she's uh, clearly doing something shady to already have had waters from, from the, mines. the mines oh yeah um if best car is mined in the living waters i think the water is required to shape it or mold it i mean that it's would actually theory. that would make sense i mean if it's yeah. supposed to be as resistant to everything else as it is there's got to be some trick to the forging process to be able to shape it. Maybe there's always been a sleeping mythosaur down there that was tamed, and the the waters use mythosaur particles or whatever to. It's mythosaur like pee. Yeah, it's mythosaur like pee pee. Just... You're all wrong. There's extra midichlorians in the water. Oh god, oh, that's where yeah. they come from. All midichlorians, <laughs> mythosaur oh, pee. God. It was right there in front yeah. of us. <laughs> oh, the whole time just been just staring the, at us pee. from boba fett's shoulder the entire time God, that's like the third p joke we've had this season what's going on here? Uh, i think um, you're in trouble <laughs> so we we get a really good dog fight in this first oh, scene as God. well yes. um probably the best one i would say top three of the entire series right what would you say justin uh i would probably agree because nothing really rings my memory like this last one 
we get to well, show it's the off last one we saw, but we get to show a, <laughs> off a lot of the qualities of both uh, Din and Bo-Katan's ships. Yeah, uh, yes. but we'll get to that. Oh, Justin, Audrey says hi. Love you. Good night. Oh, love you too, honey. Oh, <laughs> um, but yes, we did get to see some really good ship action. The gauntlet. I loved seeing the different arms, like how they flapped around and stuff, and how she would turn. <laughs> yeah, and I didn't then, realize uh, the gauntlet had that kind of maneuverability. I, you know, maybe have you not watched? Uh, yeah, I was gonna say, I, did you not watch uh, Rebels or Rebels? Clone, or Clone, I haven't seen Clone Rebels Wars, and Clone, Wars. It Clone Wars. It's just been a long time. Yeah. Um, she lo- the ship looks great coming in from animation. It looks fantastic, beautiful. Yeah, no, they they did a really solid uh, shift of it into live action. I was yeah. very impressed. Yeah, and they just keep doing wonders with that N one. They yeah they do, man. I mean, it, those those mods that uh, those mods that Din and Pelly put in on it have been yeah that thing boots up sure quick, doesn't it? Holy shit! Oh. No, that was that was my <laughs> first thought was just like. How the f- did he get it to boot up that fast? Yeah. It's always I, uh, been ready. Um, now, I made this little TikTok post and I got a lot of comments on it. And there was one particular comment that kept popping up. Where did his jetpack go? Very interesting. But if you watch that scene, he's got his jetpack on. And then it, the second he jumps into the ship, it's it's gone. Oh, I got to <laughs> so, rewatch it. Maybe the, yeah. the back of the seat keeps it holstered. I don't think that's... I mean, maybe. My, Don't ruin the magic. <laughs> yeah. I think that's more of a behind-the-scenes uh, practical <laughs> actor get that thing off your back situation. Yeah, than anything absolutely. <laughs> but it was a wonderful scene, and like seeing him jump out, it would have been cool to see him like as he's falling, blast a couple of the ships on his way down. Um, but alas, him jumping into the N one and doing that whole thing was pretty sick. Um, and then. We get a little bit more action because Bo's palace gets bombed, and then there's a shit ton of TIE fighters coming at them. TIE bombers. And tie, well, yeah. Tie, oh, well, the TIE bombers, bombers and the TIE interceptors. The, 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 interceptors. the two squads Beautiful. and interceptors coming in, man. Just, I, I love the scope. You saw the, the red dots, and all of a sudden, more red dots. And we're like, oh, this is awesome. What's happening? Sweet. Yeah, no, that was beautiful. Hey, here's um, your uh, enemy threat indicator. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. No shit. Thanks, that was, thanks, Daddy. I mean, <laughs> that was something. I don't know. That was a very strange because Bo said that she had stolen some ships from an right. Imperial warlord, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden she's like, "That's a lot of ships for for an Imperial warlord." warlord. Um, so dot dot. So the question here is, who was she actually ripping off? You know, and whoever like decided to attack them knew exactly where they were right they weren't fucking around it was like they had been studying their opponent maybe oh yes waiting Uh, for the correct moment making a calculated move (laughs) there you go i don't know the bo-katan's an artist though well but but she does live for an almost or she's an almost extinct uh, what was what would you call the Mandalorians a species? Peoples, people. yeah, a people culture, They're almost extinct culture. culture. Yeah, yeah. Like so culture. very rare. I mean, 
a night owl helmet would look pretty cool on a wall. I'm just saying. I got a spot for it right here. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh. No, but uh, that was a, a hell of a dogfight sequence. It's just yeah. beautiful. I think they did a good job with, the because this episode, was they had such a shift. Um, we're about to talk about that shift, but they did such a good job sucking you into the episode, and then they just threw you for a 180, and they're like, what? what? It was, By the it time was you so finish, good. We get, we get the cold open ending. You know, We get the jump bow end in, jump into light speed right before the credit right before the title card hits yep and then and then whoop, it goes to coruscant, coruscant for like the next half hour but i'm very glad that they wrapped up that first part with bowen and din because it would have been a little disappointing if they just did that little opening with the mandalorian and then ended it on coruscant yeah so now I'm glad that they came back one thing <laughs> i've got to say one thing i love about the whole sequence with Din and Bo uh, on Kalevala. Is Din just completely trusting Bo-Katan to make sure that Grogu stays safe? Like, hey, um, my kid's in your ship. Uh, Right. Don't do something stupid and get y'all killed. And she almost did. She almost did. (laughs) She almost did. Uh, But, you know, just he's just like, no, you have my kid. I'm going to trust you to keep him safe until we can get where we're going. Yeah. Uh, it was a very bold move for the Mandalorian. That's it was. For sure. It really uh, was. I, I feel like he he had to have trusted her somewhat. He She did just save his life. Yeah. So. Oh, yeah. So during this dogfight scene, I don't know if you guys noticed, but after the whole flip up in the air, and I'm sure we'll get there later, but uh, he comes down and he shoots a is it a photon torpedo, proton. In the, is it photon or proton? <laughs> I'm that's, just, the, say, that's the just other say, star franchise. Just All say right. it's torpedo. Just, <laughs> she didn't shoot the torpedo at him. But there you go. Typically in Star Wars, we usually see the aircraft fly through the debris. In this scene, we see it, it like pull it. up a little bit. And I just thought that was a, a little cool caveat. Yeah. No. He he definitely tried to not fly directly through the uh, debris of the oncoming ship. Maybe it was a little different. I mean, the Razor Crest would have just plowed through that easily, but in N1, you know, right? it's not that as easy. Good, he's, uh... he's, he's shifting from a tank ship to a rogue ship, though. I <laughs> yeah. mean, he's... Yeah. <laughs> And a little bra- and a little bragging rights when uh, Bo asked uh, if you sustained any damage, and he's like, "Not a scratch, not a scratch, <laughs> not bad for you. Fast, <laughs> too fast. Uh, I love it." Um, so yeah, let's do this whole shift of the episode, yeah. um, because it definitely takes a crazy turn. But um, as uh, let's see, Derpy is saying over here. Um, it's funny how everyone was complaining about because no Grogu or not enough Mando or member berries. I love the reference, um, <laughs> but it felt a lot like Andor, and I completely yes. agree with that. This episode In was very the much absolute like Andor. best way. We got much more mm-hmm. of the political intrigue uh, yeah. while we were on Coruscant, and I love that. That was actually one of my favorite aspects of Andor was how much time we spent on Coruscant. Uh, with the Senate, with the uh, various other peoples, 
on and around Coruscant and just it being involved in the kind of more political, uh, the social and political sides of things than we were in the actual like combat side. Yeah. But we're still getting like crazy references to other things as well. Yeah. It's, it's kind of like, oh, you know, yeah. we're still getting, we still get big references to the bigger galaxy in a very small um, bubble. You know what I mean? So, for instance, yep. the very first scene with um, the doctor, uh, Dr. Pershing. Welcome talking back, about... Dr. Pershing. Yeah. Holy shit. Great to see him. Talk about an episode. unexpected character return. Yeah. I. <laughs> But the biggest thing here is he's talking about cloning and he's talking about splicing cloning materials to create organs for, you know, for people when they're sick and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Um, Big part of Emperor Palpatine coming back is he was cloned and he was spliced with midichlorian blood. So I think the biggest the biggest thing I've I've seen around the Internet is that the uh connection here is that they were trying to take grogu in order to make a snoke and or a palpatine yeah yeah i mean if you are paying attention on cloning something that's going to be force sensitive you need a donor source that is highly force sensitive and that's grogu he's got a lot of those midichlorians man yeah Bacterial, um, just all stuffed full of them. Ro, what are your thoughts of the Mandoverse laying the groundwork for the First Order and the sequel trilogy? Um, I know that there are a lot of people complaining about that aspect of, of this show. Um, and, you know, full disclosure, I'm not a big fan of the sequel trilogy, the middle movie in particular. Um, but... It is what it is. And if that's what they're doing, then, you know, from a from a timeline perspective, it kind of makes sense. It's uh, I, I don't think anywhere in the history of what we are facing today, um, nobody is going to go into a TARDIS and pull out an alternate version of what the sequels would have been. It's not going to happen. So it, it makes perfect sense that, OK, we're setting up to maybe explain some elements that weren't um, as well crafted from the sequel trilogy, um, i.e. Snoke and cloning and Palpatine somehow return, whatever, et cetera, et cetera. So we're, we're going to, we're, we're inadvertent. We're going to get that explanation. It's going to happen. There's going to be a lot of people that are like, oh, whatever, but it is what it is. Um, and I, you know, I, I didn't mind the, the switch in tone. I know a lot of people, uh, we're talking about how it reminded them of Andor. And for me, uh, because you guys, uh, this is the first time on your show with your people. Um, to me, Andor was top notch Star Wars. It was oh, top notch drama. Mm-hmm. And um, I said it before and I, I got shit for it. I said after Andor, it's going to be very difficult to go back to regular Star Wars. And and the first episode of The Mandalorian proved my point. Um, (laughs) But, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, we get Pershing back. We get a a little explanation as to, you know, what may be going on in the future um, with this series specifically. Um, I know a lot of people didn't um, enjoy the tone shift. 
uh, as what, uh, you know, some of the stuff that I've seen on Twitter. But one of the one of the interesting things is I had proposed that it, it might have worked better for people if this was kind of like an anthology series where perhaps maybe they can tell different stories that really don't have Mandalorian in it. They can tell a Pershing story. They can tell a uh, maybe a, a, a one-off Ahsoka story to kind of set those things up. I almost feel like um, uh, Filoni uh, is, you know, he's obviously preparing and prepping for more Star Wars shows. Obviously, we're waiting for Ahsoka. We're waiting for all these characters to come up uh, in that show from Rebels. So we, as 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 nerds, we have all that stuff in our in our head that we are waiting for. Um, they're obviously setting some some of that up in in the Mandoverse here with this show. But um, I think it's all interesting. I think, you know, I'm not one of those guys that, um, you know, that'll hate on something and make 22 videos on the same subject all <laughs> today. Um, you know, it's uh, it is like I said, it, it is what it is. Um, let's go along for the ride and, and see what happens. Uh, you, know, you know, my biggest my biggest concern really is the fact that we already know what it's going to lead up to. Um, I'm hoping to get some surprises uh, from now and till the end of whatever it is that they are are doing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we we know what's at the finish line. We know, you know, Luke goes and does his thing, and we know, you know, Snoke is is out there. We know uh, the First Order rules, yada yada yada. Um, but like I said, uh, I'm just hoping to to see if we can get some cool surprises along the way. On this Absolutely. ride, we already know. So, Ro, I got one little question for you. How sure. did you feel about the prequels when they came out? Did you like uh, them or hate them? Um, I did not like episode one, but I think that um, that was uh, short lived. Um, I I love the prequels. You know, it's okay. and and I lived through them. I I remember the songs George Lucas. You know, raped my childhood. I remember all that stuff. <laughs> Yep, so, yep. so, but I don't remember the, I guess the staying power of the hatred towards the sequel to the, towards the, the prequels that, that, that I'm living through now for the sequels. Well, I don't even and, with, I mean, cause, cause with the prequels, we had clone wars come out and kind of and rebels give us, well, before rebels, oh, before we rebels, yeah. Because we had Clone Wars even before Episode Three came out. I we mean, if we're talking like Wars. the the Gandhi Tarkovsky, <laughs> yes. uh, yeah, like the traditional two D animation, which yeah. was incredible because that you know, led into Episode Three. But then he, even after that, it was like shortly after that. I think just a couple years later, Filoni did the Clone Wars series. Started with that movie that came out, and then that series took off. Um, I think that helped with people appreciating the prequels a little bit more because Clone Wars was such so good with their storytelling and like weaving things in and out of the prequels. But um, I don't think anybody said about the prequels that this all doesn't make sense the way they say it about the sequels. No, and that's kind of what I was going to get into. The reason like the sequels are bad. And that's why the the staying power of the hatred has has stayed there, yes. even with Mandalorian, right. even because, with Book of Boba Fett, because, because there was so much rewriting. The whole rewrite, the whole revisioning of canon happened yep. because everything 
that takes place post Jedi had been so thoroughly covered in books right. in the like decades before episode one came out and, and then even, even after and <laughs> they just decided no we're we're gonna start over with that yeah. and i well, i understand why they didn't sure. want to have to try to make they didn't want to have to suddenly introduce you know, Mara Jade and Jason and Jaina and all of the various other Legends characters to a new audience to fit into the time frame that they'd done. <laughs> they they could have, but it would have been I, I see why it would have been difficult. Yeah. So here's okay. an analogy for you guys. If you okay. took Clone Wars and thought of it as like sweeting sweeting or sweeting up the prequels so everyone can enjoy oh. them do you feel like mando and soon to be ahsoka is just sweetening up the pot so people can forgive the sequels well some no. some people because i don't think you i don't think you can do anything to any story to make me like the sequels more it's just <laughs> not gonna it's just not gonna happen no, no but they can make they can the set up they can set more they can fill in more of the gaps though we're we're definitely getting more groundwork yeah. laid right. Right. we're we're getting some retconning uh yeah. kind of kind of uh because it's it, it it's retconning the old legends books um it's, it, it, well, it's I, I think still... it's more drawing from old legends books. They're using those plot points still. Yeah, it's just like to, uh, to fill uh, just like Derpy in said, the setup their... of motivation would be Thrawn. Yes, which is what we've yes. been saying yes. for months now. Like that's exactly what this is doing. And so I think to to further the point of like sweetening up the prequels with Clone Wars, I think this isn't as much sweetening as it is right. like we're sorry. I, I think we're it's more sorry for we're trying to convince you, right? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I, I think, you know, and, you know, here's the thing, like from a business perspective, I can understand why they didn't go out and um, pull directly, I guess, from the um, from the old expanded universe stuff. Oh, they were so gung ho on that. Yeah, yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, I, you know, it's 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 the one reason they just, you know, kind of took George's manuscripts for seven, eight and nine and said, no, thanks. I mean, they've yeah. already they already paid him, you know, four and almost four and a half billion dollars. Um, I, I don't think they wanted to get in the legal hassle of finding every single, um, uh, you know, author of any of the expanded universe material and say, you know, we're going to use some of your story points. Here's two point five for that. I, I think they're just done. And that's one of the biggest yeah. reasons, I think, also that um, Galaxy's Edge is 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 new order except uh versus you know old empire um george lucas did a an amazingly smart thing by maintaining a hold of um of merchandising rights when he did the original trilogy and i um i i I have he divorced his wife and did the whole special edition sure sure and i think I, I heard it through the grapevine that uh, that he maintains those um, those rights even after selling Star Wars to Disney. I think he still has a great stake in that, and I feel that uh, it makes sense because after after even the Force Awakens um, and through uh, the Last Jedi, you did not see any old vintage new action figures out. You saw a boatload of Snokes, 
a boatload of DJs on Walmart clearance aisles that would not sell for $3 a pop. And that's when Disney started to say, hmm, why aren't our new toys selling? And then all of a sudden you started seeing, you know, brand new stormtroopers. You've got Boba Fett's. You've got, you know, Darth Vader's recommissioned. Why? Because guys like us have been spending our money since we were eight years old <laughs> and we're buying that stuff. So, yeah, kudos to you, George. Keep it going. I yeah. never realized why <laughs> Galaxy's Edge didn't have old school figurines and merch. I never connected that. That's good to know. <laughs> yeah. Money, 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 money. <laughs> money. Um, so back to the episode I handled. Yeah, that, that was a fun chat. That was, right. that was, that was no, like hey, it's chat. all good, bro. No, it's, cool. it's all good, man. Um, just there. Basically, this is uh, like Derpy saying. He, uh, I think the bigger picture is set up for Thrawn. Sure, of course. Um, yes. And yes, absolutely. Like just Ahsoka saying, "Where is Thrawn?" in season two mm-hmm. was just the name drop alone was enough yeah. to get us going. He's going to be the reveal at the end of the season. Yeah, you'll. Oh, see. we absolutely believe. Yeah, that. yeah. yeah. I think we personally yeah, want to see Ezra. Page. Well, Ezra's going to be the Jorah Seaboth. For oh, I know. Yeah. I'm right. telling you, yeah. dude. Well, them introducing that's... the mind flayer in this is just even more proof that Ezra could be the Joris Seaboth, because like if the Republic has a mind flayer, oh no, I'm sorry, what was it called? A 602 mitigator. Then <laughs> Thrawn absolutely has a 602 mitigator that he can use on Ezra to make him fucking crazy. His might be so, the 802, the newer model. Yeah, yeah, the upgrade. You know, the one that actually like takes the good out of you and just leaves the evil <laughs> so Ro, we'd been doing a little bit of a book club in between seasons here where <laughs> we're actually going back through timothy zahn's original uh heir to the empire trilogy and we've been talking that up we've done uh heir to the empire and dark force rising and i think probably after this season we'll uh we'll burn through last command but uh, we've been sitting here talking about parallels with Thrawn for the last couple of months now. And nice. it's There's just a few extra characters that we're kind of waiting to see. We've got the place of those legends characters. Yeah. So we've got some really solid groundwork laid now, though, with Dr. Pershing and his cloning tech being in place. We've got a bunch of abandoned Star Destroyers just sitting around on Coruscant. So we've got empty ships. We've got clones. Mm-hmm. We've got everything that we need to set up a new canon version of Thrawn going after the Katana fleet. And I am absolutely 100% here for it. It's it's a beautiful set of parallels with the old Thrawn trilogy. We're seeing just some nice pulls from old canon and tying in all of the new stuff as well. And I am I love that we got Pershing <laughs> back. I love that we're seeing this whole yeah. stuff with the cloning. It's gonna be just fun to see where this goes. Sure. I think they're I think they're throwing some loops in there though. I think uh what's his name? Pelayon? Pelion. 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 Thank you. Is that the uh, exercise bike? Yes. <laughs> uh, yes, it is an exercise uh, uh, bike. Admiral Pelion. Thrawn's uh, like Pelion. second in command, basically. Yep. Um, I'm kind of starting to think that Kane is going to be 
that person. Ah. I think that she, like, I'm telling you, like, this whole episode, she gave me double agent vibes, like we were talking about oh, earlier. Oh, man. Like, <laughs> Absolutely. Like, where, does, where, do, where do her loyalties lie? I mean, I, she was I very was convincing. I was expecting Pershing to get shot, like, yeah. five different times <laughs> that whole bit. It was like, he's going to get and backstabbed any minute now. But then, yeah, and why would she do the thing to his mind? Why would she? I don't oh, know. we had so we had a theory. Tell anybody about what she did? Yeah, we had a theory about this last night. Um, somebody had mentioned um, Operation Cinder and how the Empire that was left oh. over were just going around and just eliminating people that were still um, that were active in the Empire and just getting them off the game table. Um, and this might be. You know, this might be one way of doing it with Pershing. You know, he still wanted to kind of develop his uh, cloning technology. Mm. But um, Palpatine did not want anybody else involved in cloning technology because he wanted to use it all for himself. Obviously, as we know from uh, some of the Expanded Universe stuff and uh, the Dark Horse comic sequel series. But it's um, it was an interesting thought. You know, we had a, a little discussion about that. Um, Operation Cinder, obviously. And I, I, I think if they do introduce that that term or that that concept into this, that might uh, stretch out to, uh, you know, season four, I think. Now, oh, Operation Cinder. That's a great tie-in to the game. Cinder, oh, yeah. Eventually, that goes into Jakku. Yep. Yeah, wasn't right. that from the Aftermath trilogy? Or I'd... was that strictly from the game? I don't know. Uh, I, I only read bit. half of the Aftermath trilogy, and Claire, yes, you are correct, to, to prevent the knowledge uh, from okay. spreading. Yeah. Um, no, definitely does tie back into Wendig's Aftermath trilogy. Okay, and so, so Aftermath would have been prior to this yes. as well. So Cinder would have already happened because cause we know with Boba Fett's armor, right. you know, all that stuff went down. So Yep. Interesting. So, I mean, I I, aftermath is that. happening about the same time. Oh, so this could actually tie into that book. As well. Yeah, well, because because yeah, and trilogy. it's it, all herkily jerkily, anyways. So, right. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but like, we get um, um, our our marshal, uh, Timoth Timothy Oliphant. Timothy Oliphant in uh, in season two, yeah. Uh, he was in well season two and then Book of Boba Fett. Yeah, right. um, so uh, seeing him in there, he was playing a character who first showed From up in the aftermath. Uh, in aftermath, yeah. yeah, he was just a uh, Cobb Vamp excerpt or whatever. Cobb Vamp. Cobb Vamp. Yeah, albeit in uh, they were the interludes in between chapters. I think yes. Um, so the the time the timeline on those interludes was a little wibbly. But we yeah. still see um, Temin Wexley, the protagonist of the Aftermath trilogy, in the uh, sequel trilogy. Right. Uh, he is he's Snap Wexley. Oh right. Yeah. No, okay. that's that's right. Temin. So, anyway. That's right. Yeah. Anyway, um, Kane. I again mystery with her. I, I don't. You have no idea where she could go. I think. <sighs> I, go I love way. her she could so be much. Part of the rebellion. She could be part of the empire still or gideon's whatever um and gideon was another really cool callback in this as well in this episode they you know when they're having that 
beer together? What the <laughs> hell was that? Was that beer? Was uh, that? It's a canned cocktail. <laughs> it's okay. Oh, the okay. milk jars. Yeah, they're yeah, little, little baby milk. milk. Jars. Yeah, oh, little God. canned cocktails there. But oh, they're. I loved the meme I turned that into. Yeah, it does look <laughs> like was... breastfeeding milk. <laughs> God. <laughs> Uh, anyway, as they're drinking the milk, um, they were talking about Gideon, and one yeah. guy said Gideon escaped oh, in route escaped. to the war tribunal, or the other one was he got hit by a mind flayer. So we don't actually know what happened to Gideon, and I think, he's, I mean, it's already confirmed that he's going to be in this season at some point in time, um, but we just don't know at what capacity. Yeah. And it would be very interesting to know, well, to find out. The Gideon works for Thrawn because it, you know, that's probably what's going he on. He may not well. know that he works for Thrawn. <laughs> that's that's the beauty of yeah. Thrawn as a character is that all of these characters who are working for him probably have no know. idea that they're actually working for Thrawn. That's very right. true. Right, that was in the books. That was in the here's books. Here's a long tie-in. So Gideon got the Darksaber. We know that history. And... Pretty much Mandalore sector or planet was done and dead with. So, that being said, Thrawn's hanging out around Mandalore and looking for Bo-Katan and then sent his, like, two legions of uh, TIE interceptors to go get them. For the Darksaber? No, not for the Darksaber, but tying it into the episode three of Mandalorian. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, okay. Um, I mean, I could see that. I think my favorite parallel of this episode was the brainwash aspect, kind of. Um, right after Pershing gets mind flayed and brainwashed, Bo-Katan is accepted. One Welcome of us. back into One the of covert. <laughs> yeah, back into the crazy cult. Um. And it seemed like there was a lot of, even though there were two totally different stories, they had a lot of similar points that they were going towards. You know what I mean? Um, let's see. What else do we? What else do we need to talk about? What am I? What am I? Please uh, excuse me. I have to focus my camera here. Going to use uh, Dinjarin. Ooh, shiny. There you go. No, no. Come it. on, you can do it. You can do it. Oh. <laughs> Look at that. He's posing. Look at that model pose. That's wonderful. I don't have anything. I mean, I have my, my Grogu close by. He's always close by. But uh, that's that's about it. So, yeah. Yeah. You're right. He always, He's always close by. Have you, I mean, I got... If we're showing things up, I got a bop it. A Grogu bop it. <laughs> You twist him and bop him and pull his legs, and it's pretty tight. Ooh. All right. Here we go. Now we're just showing heck. things off. Now we're showing. Those of you listening, that's listening our, on the podcast, you have to go back the, you got to watch the YouTube to version. Yeah. That's, yeah. Uh, that's the uh, Boba Fett replica, yeah? The E-33 e or the E-33 e yeah. or something like that? Yes, sir. Beautiful. <laughs> All right. Since yes. you guys were showing off, I'm at work, and I have my little guy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's cute. Yes. Come with me always. Okay, Very he's like nice. my pocket Jawa. All right. my little well, Jerry yeah. the Jawa. No, I, I is always have, in my pocket. I don't have a little Grogu, but I do have a little like Cthulhu that lives on my desk. <laughs> oh, <no>. <laughs> 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 Just lives up right here next to my uh, webcam and reminds me of. The I feel like I need to make a new segment. <laughs> I need to make a new segment bumper called Show and Tell now. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, 
going to be something we do. <laughs> uh, Each guest. Does. All right, so just make sure that you bring your segments and uh, something for show and tell. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and if you bring snacks, make sure you bring enough for the whole class. For everybody. Yeah. Yes, please. Slices and Capri Suns are our go-to. Yeah. I think, so we got... I think we're about done. I think the last thing that I mainly had in my notes was the train scene. Um, I got I got one more. So many complaints you. about that train scene. Really? <laughs> I mean, okay, talking well, about the ocean compliance or like anything just, else. <laughs> let me say I I have some like things about the train scene that I personally connect with. Okay. I, I, I oh, think okay. I might have broken Justin. <laughs> I think you did too. I lost. Reset. <laughs> so. Train scene, yeah. awesome to me in a lot of different ways. I don't, I don't care what the internet says. Um, the scenery was <laughs> absolutely beautiful. Yeah. Um, when he looked out the window and saw the Coruscant scape, yeah. you know, oh was, yeah, the, just wonderful. the cityscape. When they started to pull away, beautiful, and the train going yeah. up, and just yeah. awesome. The whole, really nice. the whole, uh, everything about the scenery around it when they were jumping out, everything was was yeah. great. Um, my second favorite part, the aliens that littered that train was just vintage Star Wars where we're in a random spot and we see a bunch of different aliens we've never we've really seen before. Everybody here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. The the main thing I connected with here though, um, was them running away from the ticket droid. <laughs> because I've done that on the light rail in Denver. <laughs> Um, if I ever d- couldn't pay for the they ticket. They got a fucking ticket droid on the Why on do the they need rail? a ticket droid? Isn't everything run by apps in our time? Might as well. Don't they have, like, didn't they already pay to go through the turnstile? They still have. There's not a turnstile in the Denver light rails. <laughs> so they have little officers that go on the train and check your ticket. Like, every, you know, every so often. So if, I was, if there was ever a time I couldn't pay for my ticket, I would always hang out by the door and if just I saw, if just I saw the, the officers coming on the train, I would just jump off and get on the next one because they, you know, ran every 10 minutes or whatever. So I really felt for Pershing and Kane here um, as they were <laughs> running away from the That's ticket checkers. Funny. And yeah. uh, that, I mean, I just, the train scene to me was, was one of my favorites. So. No, it was it was well, pretty good. And it makes me jealous of places like. Chicago that have actual functional public <laughs> transportation. Oh, the L. I fucking love the L. <laughs> I'm curious though, Ro, like, what did you see about the train scene not being? People didn't like that scene. I saw like the, two reviews, I guess. That people yeah, I think it, but... um, the biggest thing that we talked about last night on our show was uh, the uh, the physics of jumping off of a speeding train and landing <laughs> nonchalantly. I mean, Doctor Pershing's glasses didn't even fall off. <laughs> So, this is Star Wars, man. It's, it's, <laughs> I know, I know. It's, it's Star Wars, not Star Trek. Thing, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, but, over here. but I think you're. I think you're right. I think the visuals looked. Uh, the surrounding visuals looked amazing. They looked beautiful. Yeah. Can I? Can I talk briefly yes. about one of my favorite details that came Please up? Please do. Yeah. Tong stays. Am I right? <laughs> Okay, so they Did brought you... in they brought in the Galactic Standard Week. Yeah. Okay. I you know did... you know what the name of this episode is. <laughs> five nights on Coruscant. Five nights on Coruscant. Because we see, five, we see five days on Coruscant. Like we see it which actual, is it starts a Galactic Standard Week. Galactic Standard Week. Yeah. yeah. No. So <laughs> Prime Day. 
Named Prime. for Coruscant Prime, the sun, the, the star that Coruscant orbits. Yes. Syntax Day. Named for the moon. Then we get Tong, day. Tong's Day. <laughs> uh, so maybe next cocktail is going to be like... It is Tongs Day, my dude, and it'll be Tongs a riff Day, on right? it'll be a riff on a white Russian. <laughs> it'll be great. Yeah. Uh, uh, and then Gel Day, uh, and Bendu Day. But love Bendu Day. So Tongs Day, named for the early inhabitants of Coruscant, uh, non-human inhabitants, who eventually fled the planet and went over to this other uninhabited place and named it Mandalore. Oh. Yeah. No, Ong no. were the original inhabitants of the place, or were the original uh, wow. sentient uh, inhabitants of Mandalore. Deep dive. I'm, I'm going to verify got, this. A hell of a deep dive. Got, the, I know. I, this is how I spent my afternoon. <laughs> I love it. So, then... Gel Day is named for the original humanoid inhabitants of Coruscant. Okay. Did Bendu Day okay. come from Bendu? From from the Bendu? Bendu Day comes from the Dai Bendu monks, who were the precursors <gasps> the to the Jedi, Jedi Order. Right. Yep. 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 And that Full is suit. our that is our galactic standard week. Very nice. I do love that we still get a Sunday and a Monday in there. <laughs> <laughs> Dang. You know, I, I think that's probably pretty good for, for wrapping up that part of the show. We should probably move on to segments, I would say. That was like, <laughs> little I'm going to edit a... this whole part of me talking and just go straight into the segments. A <laughs> little, little bit of a history dive for you. I, I went through went through Wikipedia this afternoon. I was like, I got to find out what the other days of the week are. Very you delve deep, my friend. I love it. Too greedily and too deep. Oh no, that, that's great oh, knowledge man. though. I didn't know I didn't realize they were the uh founders of Mandalore. I'm yeah, no, that... using those days for my weeks at, at work. Just those Tongs days, at work. days, am I right? Yeah, every <laughs> Wednesday I work. Happy Tongs Day. <laughs> <laughs> what? Um so yeah, did anybody else have any other notes or anything they wanted to talk about before we got into segments? Let's start with Justin. Um there's just so many Easter eggs to this episode and during one of my segments, I'll cover it, but the the, the taxi ride scene I really enjoyed. Of the taxi cab yes. trying oh to shoot God. the shit with her, or with uh, the doc, and he wasn't having it. Shoot the shit. Is it, is it bad? Like, went pointing to the road, his head's like on um, 180. Is it bad that my, my thoughts immediately went to the, like, the fucking Johnny cabs from uh, Total oh, Recall? Yeah! Oh, wow. Uh, which are I did not go as, there. Like Robert Picardo, I want to say. Yeah. It's the, the Johnny Cab. Huh. I did not go there. It's a good callback, though. Oh, I did love the, the taxi driver. Um, I was kind of reminded of Fifth Element for some reason with that. I don't sure. know why. Um, maybe it was just getting out of the cab. or I don't know. I just got Fifth Element vibes. But, Ro, did you have anything else, any other notes that you wanted to talk about before we get into these other segments? No, not at all. Bring it. Cool. All right. All right. So let's do that then. First one this week, we're going to start with. He's no good to me, dead. 
You will not be permanently dead. So, Boba's Bounty is the part of the show where we talk about our favorite new thing introduced into live-action Star Wars. It could be a planet, a droid, a ship, a character, anything new to live-action. So, I would like to start with our guest, Ro, if you'd want to tell us what your Boba's Bounty was this week. Yes, absolutely. We talked about it earlier, but it is the gauntlet uh, Bo-Katan's ship uh, beautifully uh, brought into live action from the animated shows. Um, she gave me kind of a Harrier jet kind of feel, the vertical takeoff, uh, the wings uh, doing all sorts of cool, tricky stuff. And that final sequence, that last TIE fighter gone out of there. And uh, what an amazing move there. I think, uh, you know, being from Chicago, I see a lot of really cool, uh, military moves during the air and water show. I think uh, if uh, the gauntlet shows up one day, that would be amazing. I was there for one of those big air shows out in <laughs> Chicago. Nice. And I was I was staying at, I, God, it was a hotel right by the, the lake. And I woke up on a Saturday to like, yeah. and like all this shit. And I was like, what is happening? <laughs> We're in a war zone. <laughs> But excellent pick. Um, I love that the gauntlet has been brought into live action as well. Um, let's go on to Justin's Boba's Bounty, which is this guy. Travel Biscuits. There you <laughs> go. So this just brought back so many memories of uh, Boy Scouts. To me. Like We were all into MREs and rations. And to see that they have a, an MRE-like uh, substance in Star Wars was just so cool to me. And... And there's different colors that signify flavors. So you could be like, oh, I want that purple one in the back. And it's truly a purple travel biscuit. But uh, I, I thought it was really cool. Like in my in my head, I'm, I was thinking like, okay, they can eat one of these and it has like all the proteins and fats and yada yada that they need <laughs> for the day. Or it's a, just like a graham cracker snack. It was a very uh... small detail, but I loved it. And and this is just me being a Lord of the Rings nerd too. But my first thought was Lembus. Yeah, Lembus, <laughs> right? That's hilarious. I, I would, so yeah, I'd, I wanted to Lembus try it. Um, I you know I was not expecting you to pick the ration cookies <laughs> for for the Boba's bounty, but I love the pick. It was you know out of left field, kind of like hey, that I do whole love cookies episode. Yeah, you know. Um. They remind me of the rations that they ate in Snowpiercer, if you ever saw that movie. Oh, 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 oh yeah. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Not no, the most appetizing. Uh, just, you know, fast forward through the sequence where they see how those are made. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, Phil, I didn't get a Boba's Bounty from you this I'm week. I'm sorry, man. I, I threw one in, but it was it was late today, and I forgot to let you know that it was there. Well, uh, tell so... us about it, and I can try and find a pick real quick. Umate. <laughs> Umate, man. The the who's, top who's... of the mountain. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, oh, they're Everest. Yeah. So, so Coruscant. Massive city planet, right? They have built layers and layers of this city, and they have continued to build outward from the surface of the city. And so we get to this point where they're just walking around, and Pershing's like, what the f*** is that? And it, it's a mountain peak. 
they're literally at the top of this mountain that they can just see the top of it. It's like, hey, this is the tallest natural point of the surface of Coruscant. And they say it is the only place on Coruscant where you can actually like still see and or touch. Well, don't touch it. There'll be uh, <laughs> yeah, there's consequences. <laughs> There'll be consequences. Uh, no, but it is like the one place on Coruscant where you can actually see the surface. And and I don't know, maybe it's just because like I live at the base of Pike's Peak. Oh. Like I have a mountain over here, a 14,000 foot mountain that I can drive up and drive up to the surface and be there on the top of a mountain. But I got to drive like 13 miles to be up at the top. Of it. <laughs> yeah. You know, well, they can, you know, they're having their popsicles they're going along and they're like, oh, hey, here's this mountaintop. I mean, imagine if you could just like walk up to the top of Mount Everest and just be like, I was just thinking that, like, <laughs> in our future, when we have cities in the sky and stuff, like, you know, 2,000 years in the future here on Earth, like, are they going to do that around What's going to be left? What, what, what natural things will be left? You know? Well, I mean, it's going to be a giant city, so, like, yeah. they'll have mountains left, and that's probably about it, right? Yeah. Right. I just, yeah. I thought that that was, that was such a fantastic thing, and it's, it's very clearly something that has been there since the days of the old Republic, you know, through the empire into the new Republic. It's yes. Yes, exactly. <laughs> God, I love seeing Ralph McQuarrie art pop up. Yeah, in places. definitely. Yes. And they're proton fizzles, not popsicles, by the way. Yes. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> not photon fizzles. That's in Star Trek. <laughs> You're saving us a segment for next week. You don't need to do corrections. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, uh, Ube, I, I was like, that's super fucking cool. I like that we get to see the top of a mountain. Yeah, it was a very intriguing scene to me yeah. as well. Um, so. Just the whole, that's a mountain. I'm like, oh, shit, that's a mountain? Yeah. All right, all right. This is cool. I know, it, it just the realization at how absolutely massive, like we've seen some of the lower levels of Coruscant and other stuff, yep. but just the realization at how deep the city goes right you know i and... love seeing any more coruscant on anything it like because it's so big there's i'm a i'm a sucker for big cities you know and like i i love the exploration of coruscant i would take a coruscant centric show any day of the week like law and order on coruscant give it to me please <laughs> totally yeah um excellent pick uh oh that's, that's I, mine <laughs> it was a, it was a great pick and i will talk about mine very briefly um we talked about the aliens on the train yes this yes i love creature, this guy i don't know who he is what he is i could not find a name for him i didn't look very hard um <laughs> but i do love like just his his appearance um i love the creature design of this guy um, and whoever is in that costume is probably hot as hail right now. <laughs> Can you imagine? Yes. <clears throat> but he reminds me of like a descendant of I don't know. What what are they? What attacks Luke and Empire? What's that thing called? The ta uh, No. The the Wampa. 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 Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Wampa Stompa uh, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he kind of looks like you know like a Wampa with a sweater on. Yeah. Kinda. <laughs> yeah. He's a friendly kind. 
the friendly wampa yeah yeah and and i know like not at all like connected species but i was reminded just the way just his posture and everything reminded me briefly of uh dexter jetster dexter the jetster. uh you the diner that. owner from episode two oh, this yep. is from one of them cloners <laughs> oh come yeah. camino the cloners yeah. Love that guy too. Yeah. Um, if we ever did a episode two <laughs> special with this kind of format, that would absolutely be my boba's bounty because uh, Dexter. Yeah. I wanted more Dexter. <laughs> like, the the creature was cool because I just liked his demeanor and his interactions on the train because they seemed like real life. He yeah, was trying like, to be coy, and then he's like, "Yeah." Well, and the whole <laughs> he's just kind know, of there. The whole <laughs> tongs days, am I right? And then Pershing <laughs> tries to use that same thing in the next train car. And, <laughs> <laughs> it just epically work. fails. So, um, excellent picks for the Boba's bounty this week, guys. Let's move on to our next segment. Poor Sarlacc. This is the Sarlacc killer scene where we talk about our favorite still shot, or in this week's case, our favorite um, little snippet of video of this week's episode um we're, it's a little different this week because uh, both phil and ro had picked like sections of scenes and so i just pulled the whole video to play it um so let's actually start with rose we'll do his starlight killer scene right now hang on i'm seeing something on the scope Yes, beautiful. So uh, let me explain. I am a, um, a behind-the-scenes guy, um, and I love uh, movie and filmmaking technology. I think uh, the advent of the volume, the stagecraft um, technology that they are using, uh, obviously was a game-changer. Um, this is a really great example of how to plan a shot well. Um, there's sometimes where they just use it to put an actor in front of, and the camera is just shooting and then you can kind of tell that they're kind of in a, you know, in a, in a weird like, uh, closet or warehouse or whatever, but this is beautiful. You've got motion, you've got, uh, the camera looking at the console of the N1 and the camera tilts up and goes over to the, uh, the dark smoke um like right in there it's beautiful you can tell you know obviously this is the volume you can tell that there's some uh reflection in the windshield you can see the dirt and all this the real world stuff and um it's it's beautiful it's uh it's not uh as i understand it it's not a composite it's a real real time effect um like what they're doing and uh again a beautiful example of adding realism to it and, uh, you know, the workflow is different. You know, back in the day, you'd have to shoot um, actors in front of green screen and then do the post effects after the fact. Now they actually have to do all that stuff beforehand because it's got to be loaded into computers and not to the screen for the camera to be able to pick that up. So it's a, it's a different workflow, but I love it when directors plan and understand the technology in order to utilize it in a way that, uh, you know, that gives us fans a treat. So that that's that's my uh my uh, uh my pick very it nicely a spectacular put. shot too yeah like you said that that reflection that reflection catch alone 
just seeing back into Din's cockpit is mm-hmm. beautiful. I, yeah. I and never and realized yeah, how and... much went into that that shot. Oh yeah. That is very, very cool. It makes me yeah. appreciate it more. Yeah. I always encourage folks to kind of uh you know, because I'm a behind the scenes guy, I'm a I'm a camera person. So that it's I watch, you know, when I watch these things, I watch it for first the spectacle. I take it all in, but then I watch it again because I want to see, you know, where's the camera placement, where where are the effects, how does the director move? So I'm I'm really into all that stuff. So it's it's uh it's it's enjoyable for me for sure. And it's the most professional take that we've ever had on this show. Uh, by far so i appreciate that <laughs> um claire says rose a camera junkie uh, like herself yes. very nice pick and i would have to agree that is one of the best picks um and ex- explanations of that pick we've ever had so thank you for that yeah um i'll come back next on. week and give you more yeah so <laughs> hey man jump in the chat anytime you want heck yeah um justin yours is not a video so we'll we'll go ABAB here. Um, and let's go to Justin's. His comes in at the 19 minute and 58 second mark. Tell us about this shot. Oh, it's. I love this shot. It, it reminded me of the end of Return of the Jedi at our digitally remastered when they're doing the celebrations and they, yes. they hit every single planet. I want to say I'm like 85% sure that this is the same courtyard or uh, marketplace as it was in that shot. But what goes on what what happens inside that marketplace is truly like the the fun thing for me to see all the jugglers the magicians the the people walking on stilts it felt like they were walking through a better version of galact or galaxy's edge it was like a <laughs> run fair for you phil but star wars and i i couldn't help but love it there's so much color there's so much imagery going on and it was a little overwhelming to me. I had to rewatch this scene at least. And I love that time. the mountaintop is right in the center of that shot. Mm-hmm. Too. Yes. Oh. You get Umate at the center of the plaza. That's spectacular. Yeah. But just Another. all the small Easter eggs, like the little pop or what are the photon uh, fizzles? Yes. Like I loved those. And then how they were talking about. Um... Oh, shit. I just lost it. Apologies. <laughs> But overall, like this, this scene is beautiful to me. Yeah, I loved it because it took ties from Return of the Jedi, uh, uh, the prequels, and it formed it into new Star or new age Star Wars. Yeah, beautiful. Absolutely. Yeah, that was a uh, wonderful very nice pick for sure. Um, it was actually my first pick, and then I went and saw yours, and was like, shit. I guess I gotta find something else. So. <laughs> Um, excellent pick, Phil. Let's go on to yours. We'll play the whole scene, and then I'll put it on repeat in the background like I did for Ro. So I really, my my focus for that one was this bit right here with the N1 looping. Just that moment where it hits the apex and just drops. <laughs> or it did just, you know, just goes back into almost a free fall. Um Air and Water Show, Chicago. It's such a classic. (laughs) It is such a classic dogfighting technique. You're just going to fly up, use the sun to blind your opponent, you know, fly up, flip back around when your opponent's not expecting it, and take a shot at them head on. Um, We get to see the proton torpedo 
coming into play again. Um, and and we're seeing also the durability of the uh, tie interceptors versus the the classic uh, the eyeballs. Uh, oh yeah, because I mean, uh, got to go back into my um, uh, X Wing the the Rogue Squadron book uh, dialogue. They uh, regular tie fighters were eyeballs, interceptors were squints. They had oh, little yeah, nicknames for right. all of the different ties. Um, I need to read those books again. Oh too. man, Michael Stackpole uh, and then Aaron Alston. Those are absolutely spectacular things. Uh, yeah. But yeah, just the the whole shot of the N one, just that head on shot of the starfighter heading straight up into the sky, and then just the way he dropped it back down. It was beautiful. Absolutely. Now, did um, you think? That that was sort of Batman esque. Um, oh, I just did that, get that I, I when I, see, I watched it. I could see that. I could see that. Um, was that that was, was the first not... Batman where he goes up into the moon and then drops, yep. and flips, the, 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 flips bat the bat wing line. down. Yeah, I want to say that's the eighty nine. Eighty nine. Yeah, yeah, that's that's Burton. Yeah, that's yep. that's Burton. Yep. Uh, so yeah, I could see that. Um, if they'd had like a moon or something there it, for the N one to be silhouetted against, that would have been <laughs> uh, much more of a direct homage. Uh, but I just, I loved the shot. I thought it was absolutely beautiful. I'm trying to just pinpoint the moment of the N one at the pinnacle uh, at the absolute like apex of that loop was just, yeah, it was just, I love seeing, pretty. I love seeing how much of a struggle it is for those tie fighters to hit an N one starfighter. Because they're so tiny. They yeah. are slender. They oh, are yeah. just mm-hmm. a narrow, narrow silhouette to hit. Yeah. That TIE uh, Fighter was pissed. <laughs> uh, also, I think this is the first time that we have seen uh, the Interceptors, at least, in atmosphere. And yeah, not yeah. actually in space. Yeah. So, I, I think you're right. Unless you count um, the Death Star in atmosphere. Uh, no. Well, not even like in Return of the Jedi, they were off the Death Star and chasing the, the Rebel Alliance uh, yeah. through space. Yeah, they um, were, and I can't, still in orbit. Right, and I can't remember if we saw any TIE Interceptors in um, in Rebels. I think we might have. Yeah. I thought but Interceptors I, I were remember. being built in Rebels, weren't they? Weren't yeah, they, they like, were. They, they were fairly new at that point. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. that uh, infiltrate the base and yeah. steal some shit yeah um but yeah but we, no we getting, the... getting to see them and see their maneuverability uh that they are just as maneuverable and just as deadly in atmosphere as they are in space is my yeah. favorite tie uh tie variant yeah the classic interceptor man they're they're well, gorgeous. It's ship i mean it's you can't go wrong right the interceptor so <clears throat> yep Excellent pick, Phil. Thank you so much for that one. My pick comes in at the 37 minute and 46 second mark. It is the shot of the Star Destroyer graveyard. Um, I had to brighten this shot a lot because it, it was, again, <laughs> there was yeah. a lot of darkness in this episode. Kind of like last week. There was a lot of darkness in last week's episode. Um, but this was about the same. And I think I like this shot more after I brightened it up. Because now you get to see the cityscape in the background as well. It was a lot harder to see that um, during 
like the watch yeah. that it was in a still frame, brightening it up, all that stuff. So um, I love seeing the line of Star Destroyers. This is, this is a line of them. What do you got? One, two, three, four, five that you can see right now. Yeah, um, somewhere and, around and there. Even more if you're counting seeing the top of the Star Destroyers. I mean, this is something that if they have these kind of graveyards, then they probably have graveyards of ships that actually run that could maybe be stolen by Imperials. Anyway, um, <laughs> I love the shot just because of the, the scale, too. The scale of a Star Destroyer compared to the humanoid people that we see um, when they're walking into the Star Destroyer and, and, w- and then running out of it later. It's, it's just a chef's kiss i I love it um the scenery of this episode was absolutely gorgeous so um thank you guys for your picks for this week's starlight killer scene we're gonna we got one more segment and then we will bump into the rating and then get on out of here for the evening so the last segment is of course it's one chimers the part of the episode where we talk about our favorite piece of dialogue from each week's episode um the let's just keep it going we'll start with rose one chimer have you experienced any feelings of anger or resentment towards the new republic government or its representatives apologies if you didn't hear me have you experienced any feelings of anger or resentment no you know, I love that conversation, um, and that's the second time uh, Dr. Pershing has had that conversation with the uh, with the robot, the droid. And I love the, um, besides the conversation itself, I love the little characteristic ear thing that Pershing does. Um, he did it earlier, and it's, it's, uh, it's one of his tells. And um, I'm wondering if it was the actor that came up with that or the director uh, directed him to say that. But I think, I think it's really, really great. It's um, a little bit of a, a detail to this character that that I think I, I enjoy. Um, but the scene itself, you know, the, the conversation, um, I mentioned that this is the, the second time that he's having this conversation, obviously very reminiscent of the Blade Runner, um, you know, scene where he's uh, trying to, uh, you know, psychoanalyze him, um, the, the, the droid. But... Um, you know, he's asked if he has any resentment towards any representatives of the new Republic. And obviously he hesitates. He does this thing with his ear and, you know, you can kind of start to tell that, uh, you know, maybe he does, maybe, maybe he wants to change his mind. Um, this is kind of, uh, help helps him decide to kind of go through, uh, the, uh, you know, the illegal, um, activity that they're going to about to they're about to undertake so i i think it was really cool uh i liked uh a lot of the stuff that pershing did the the actors great obviously um and yeah that that's my pick that's a wonderful pick very Um, nice and and that weird little quirk thing made me think of uh again the the rogue squadron novels the uh imperial officer kirtan lure who's the like main antagonist uh, for the Rogue Squadron folks. Uh, fun, just fun with old Legends characters and some of their little little quirks. Tick. See, yeah. I, yeah. I, I agree with it being a tell, but I couldn't tell. The, <laughs> I couldn't tell if the tell was him <laughs> lying or nervousness. Because the first time we see it is in the opera house from, you know, 
uh, episode three callback, but um, it was seemed more nervous in the second incident. And I'm like, oh, he's he's bullshit. Mm-hmm. But was he bullshitting during his TED talk where he's talking about right. wanting to use his cloning technology for, for good, good, or did he actually have some sort of ulterior motive there? Good point. Um, good question. Because it could have been, it could have gone either way. He could have mm-hmm. been lying in both instances, or he could have just been nervous in both instances. Because him talking to the therapy droid um, is like he's probably nervous to speak out for himself as well. So it could have gone either way. Yeah. Um, Good catch, though. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah, absolutely. definitely. So let's go on to, let's go with Justin's one chimer this week. This is the way. This is the way. Oh, how adorable. All I got to say is I love that clip. <laughs> it, it, it started off with them doing the motto, this is the way, this is the way. And he just babbles. And I, I turned on subtitles to see what he said, and it just says, Grogu babbling. <laughs> and to me, I hear this is the way, especially in that last <laughs> syllable. That is definitely way. I you mean, hear what you it's want hard to, hear, to decipher <laughs> a kid talking. I, I can barely understand my own four-year-old half the time. A 50-year-old kid. Yeah, yeah, no, with you. With you yeah. on that one, Justin. It's good luck interpreting your children. There's, right? You know, Justin, a lot of people agreed with you, though. Um, oh, on I know. Socials, there was a lot of people that agreed with that post. Like, like a lot of people that came to your defense saying that they thought he was saying this is the way. So, hey, man, you could be onto something there. If his first, his, words first words, actually... his first words are going to be, this is the way. The way this it's is. It's a lot of words to say. <laughs> oh, look, see, even Claire says it, the way this is. That's <laughs> oh, Jesse stopped in. He said, I have to dip to watch the episode of Mando, but wanted to say hi, guys. Keep trekking through Star Wars. <laughs> but yeah, I love how he does that. Um, thanks, Jesse, for popping in. Great pick, though, Justin. I, you know, like I said, you hear what you want to hear. I guess maybe he's saying this is the way, but you could the also context, say his first, man. It's all the context. First, his first word could have been hello when he showed up to uh, Pelimoto's place in Book of Boba Fett. Just throwing that out there. Damn you. Because when, when they open the, the X-Wing and he's standing there, Pelly's like, oh, hey, bright eyes. And he goes, I don't. <laughs> Oh, he said so. he had to go pee-pee. <laughs> <laughs> okay, right. we got it. Hey, alien. Does Blarg mean yes? Blarg! Ah, I'm a genius! He said yes! Unless he said no. Blarg does not mean yes. Oh, my God. <laughs> well, let's move on to Phil's one-chimer for this week. Don't worry. I grew up flying these cliffs. Of course, it's been a while. <laughs> I think that's just the perfect summary of Bo-Katan right there. Um, like, yeah, I know what I'm doing. I've done this before. Not recently. <laughs> it's been a while. <laughs> just I, like riding just, a bike, kind of. I, I just love that she's, you know, interacting with R5-D4 and just trying to kind of reassure the droid. <laughs> And and I guess, you know, Grogu, too, because he's also there, but he's, you know, sealing himself up in the pod half the time he's in her ship. 
I wonder how durable that pot is. Like, if they would have hit the gauntlet, would it have flown out and just, like, hit the ground and kept rolling and he would have been fine? Like, how durable is that pot? I mean, durable enough, durable enough that Din trusted Bo-Katan to be okay, or trusted Grogu to be okay with Bo-Katan, no matter what else they were going through. That's true. He did get eaten, too, I guess, in season two, so... Uh details Todd got eaten by the by that big giant fish thing but thing, yeah it was a little it was a little banged up that's true yeah. that's true i'm still hoping that i'm holding out hope that we get a beskar pod <laughs> at some point with like shields and weapons and like i don't know i think you know it'll just be fun for him to come around in his little pod and, and start blasting people integrate <laughs> uh, with we have a 11 we we oh, haven't really yes. seen we haven't really seen his uh, his best guard chainmail this season. I was haven't just thinking that. that haven't seen that really come into play since Book of Boba Rugu's Fett. Grogu's gonna get shot. So, we're all gonna... gonna get torn and start crying, and then boom, they reveal the the chainmail. We get. The, I'm waiting for it. We get. We talked the, about it. I think Frodo. We get the Frodo uh, Mithril reveal. <laughs> I, I, we talked about it. it was either last week or the week before, but we talked about the Mithril chain. That's what yeah. I call it too. Um, and I am just waiting for it at this point. I'm waiting for Grogu to get hit by something, and it end the episode will end right there, and it'll oh, internet that's will just be mean. up in it'll be an uproar. <laughs> ah. just leave it on a cliffhanger after Grogu gets shot. That's horrible. Yeah, but that's I mean, how yeah, do it'll it. happen, but. Disney Plus loses five million subscriptions. <laughs> Disney stock has gone down by six percent today. <laughs> well, excellent pick, Phil. Thank you for that one. My yep. final pick is also part of that opening sequence. Not bad for an antique. You take any damage? Just shields. You? Not a scratch. Yeah, I we talked about this a little earlier in the episode, but that is definitely my favorite line because. It's basically Bo-Katan going, huh, nice, nice old ship, and him going, right. oh, yeah? How's your ship looking right now? Because mine don't have a dent on it. Like, And then I love the reaction. Like, Even though you can't see Bo's face when he says not a scratch, you can still see her face because she's like, oh, damn it. All right. Well, let's which, go get him checked out anyway. Which <laughs> says a lot about Katie Sackhoff's body language in that scene, too. Yeah, Absolutely. <clears throat> Um, you know what I found out? Speaking of body language in Mandalorian armor, I was reading today on IMDb that Larif Crowder actually plays the Mandalorian, which makes a lot of sense. Um, Larif Crowder is a stunt guy. He does a lot of stunts for different things and such. Um, but my girlfriend and I were talking about how the Mandalorian and The Last of Us were airing at the same time. Um, which, by the way, I'm thinking that's why we had a few extra viewers today, because The Last of Us wasn't on this week. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think that during filming of that, Pedro was probably phoning in his lines for this Well, so, this so Latif Crowder has acted... Latif. Uh, did, did I say it wrong? Uh, yeah. Uh, Latif Crowder is actually one of <laughs> two uh, body doubles for the... The for the Mandalorian for Din. That's true. Yeah, no, Latif Crowder looks like There's... Millie Vanilli. <laughs> oh my no, god! No, but um, uh, Brendan Wayne 
and Latif Crowder pop up as oh, as that, guest right. stars almost every week in you're Mandalorian right. because they are usually in the, the suit and, for a lot of the stunts. Yeah. So what an easy job for Pedro, huh? <laughs> he just hangs out at his house and sends in some, some voice, voice tracks. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck, man. <clears throat> Sign me up for that job. Holy cow. Um, excellent picks, though, this week, guys, on all the segments. Thank you again for participating and being a part of this wonderful show we call Quest Me. Um, let's get on to the final part of the episode. It's the Tuscan Raider, where we rate the episode between 1 and 10. You know, this, this season I haven't done 1 and 10 you know, enter item here. So I think we should do one out of ten popsicles. What do they call them? Photon fizzies? Proton fizzles. <laughs> proton fizzles. So let's rate the episode out of ten proton fizzles. Let's start with Ro. What would you rate this week's episode? This week's episode, I rate a 7.25 uh, proton fizzles out of ten. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's a uh, 7.25 is very specific and I will take it. Justin, what are you rating this week? I'm going with a solid eight, eight fizzles. Eight. All right. And Phil, what about you? Uh, I'm giving it an eight and a half that uh, the dog fight sequence uh, and the, um, the whole and or level intrigue really bumped it up a little bit for me. That was that was pretty good. All right. And I am also giving it a solid eight. Um, I'm a homer. Again, I've said it every week. I'm a homer. And most of these episodes probably aren't going to be less than a seven for me, um, unless it's just Bad Batch level bad. Um, <laughs> but I doubt that's going to happen. So... Bad Batch has said, been killing it this this uh, this series. Yeah, but Josh is That's just constantly yeah. bad mouthing Bad Batch. I mean, That's okay. <laughs> okay. That first season really scorned me, man. I was not happy I left with that first bitter season. Bitter taste in both our mouths. <laughs> yeah. Um, I I do agree though. This second season has been a lot better. Um, I can I can stand Omega a lot more than I could in that first Omega. season. So Omega, you know, for Omega. somebody for somebody that didn't care about a Bad Batch series coming out like I did, I, the characters have really grown on me. I think I'm really enjoying. Yeah, it. yeah. I just saw the the final couple episodes of the season so far, like the last ones that have aired, um, and I really liked the Crosshair episode. It was mm. really. Poignant. I don't know. It was it was poignant. Deep. It was emotional. Yeah. It was like, dang. All right, like this could get good. Um, Rebels did the same thing for me. The first season of, of Rebels was not my favorite, but right. that that series is probably my favorite Star Wars franchise now. So, um, all right. So that being said, the total rating for this week is a seventy nine percent. If nice. I did my math correct, <laughs> math is hard. Not bad. Math is hard. <laughs> I double checked it for you though. <laughs> Was it seventy nine? Yeah, point like three seven. Yeah, six, yeah, yeah, whatever. yeah. Okay, Ro <laughs> okay. coming in here with the quarter point. Yeah, yeah what the fuck, man? Get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it's great. That's a that's a good rating. Um, we haven't really been much lower than an eighty percent all season so far. So we're we're around average for Quest Me. Um, but 
before we move on to our closing thing, Ro, why don't you tell us a little bit more about Scarif Podcast, how to find you. Sure. Um, all that good stuff. Absolutely. Uh, if you have a smart speaker, just tell it to play the latest Scarif Scuttlebutt podcast or find us wherever you find your other favorite podcast at Scarif Podcast. That's the Scuttlebutt. <laughs> I love it. Um, and Phil, what about you? Where can people find you and all that good stuff? I am here every week right now on uh, Quest Me. You can find me on Twitter at FlipWriter. Uh, and I will actually be guesting. I'm going to be jumping franchises later this week. I will I be hanging out with uh, the Green Shirt podcast later this week to start, talk about Star Trek The Next Generation. We are doing Chain of Command Part 2, which is hands down one of my favorite episodes of science fiction television ever. Uh, so yeah, no, I'll be hanging out with, uh, at green shirt 87 later this week. Uh, but, uh, for now you can find me around here. Have you ever done green shirt? No, this no. is, this is no. my first time on green shirt. I'm pretty excited about it. And those guys are so much fun. Yeah, I know. It's going to um, be fun. I, I really enjoyed my time on green shirt for sure. Um, sweet. Justin, did you have anything else you wanted to say? People, how, how, how people can get in touch with you, all that stuff. People can get in touch with me. Sorry, your tone's going off. Uh, people can get in touch with me uh, at Instagram, jlu1742. Uh, I have taken about, I don't know, say 50% of the, the workload of social medias. And so all the, the, the memes I'm trying to make funny are generally me. The videos are Josh. But uh, I'm trying to get a balance on that. So J. Lou, seventeen forty-two, or quest me. Absolutely, uh, you've been doing great Ooh. with the social media stuff, and I appreciate the crap out of you for helping me with that. So killing it. Um, I will. Yeah. So that's about it for this week's episode. I think. Um. Yeah, we're gonna be live again next Sunday around seven thirty p.m. Mountain Standard Time. We're going to have another newcomer. Um, Phil, why don't you tell us about that newcomer? Yeah, well, I mean, first off, awesome. Thank you, Ro, for being here with us this week. It has Absolutely. been an absolute blast having you on. Uh, next week, we have Jesse coming in from the Crusher Convo podcast, coming to talk about Chapter 20 of The Mandalorian, which, you know, we will be watching here in the next, like, 72 hours. Yes. I'm staying I'm up. so excited. Yes. Not going to sleep at all until then. It's going to be great. I'm actually off on Wednesday, so I don't have to wake up two hours, like at five in the morning before I go to work. The last couple of weeks I've had to wake up before I go to work and watch it. So this week I don't have to do that. Nice. Uh, but I'm definitely excited to, to see to see Jessie and have her on the show. She's a newcomer. Um, she's another Trekkie. So it's going to be uh, it's going to be a good Hey, time. it's good and, to get those different perspectives, man absolutely i do want to thank claire and andrew and derpy and jesse and i don't know who b serbin is does anybody know b serbin my wife my, uh, wife. my wife <laughs> <laughs> and justin's wife brie um thank you guys all for being in the chat and hanging out with us like i said if you want to join us um we are live on sundays at youtube.com slash at quest me um, and you can always come hang out and be a part of the conversation. We would love 
to hear from you. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, and Instagram at Podcast. Thank you all again for joining us this week. Thank you, Justin. Thank you, Phil. Thank you, Ro. Um, I could not do the show without you guys. For Quest Me, I have been your host. And this is Ro from the Scare Scuttlebutt Podcast. This has all been the Scuttlebutt. How do I follow that up other than I'm <laughs> Justin? <laughs> and I'm Phil. And we will talk at you next week. May the Force be with you.